0: It's time to get in the zone, the Fantasy Football Zone. Hey,
1: guys, where else would you rather be?
0: Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. What a piece of
1: that championship. Put it in here.
0: This is the Fantasy Football Zone. And welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. And again, we've got Corey Smith, NFL writer, roto joining us this week. Well, week one in the books, it was up and down for me, I guess. How about you?
1: Same here, my man. My fantasy teams were uh, about 500 in week one. But my NFL team, Vic Fangio, the coach of the Broncos, Ah. doesn't know how to call a timeout. (laughs) Uh, That one hurt me on Monday night, but overall I'm really happy we got football back, Paul, and I'm ready to go, man.
0: Yeah, it's great to have it back, and we kind of learned some things, we think, and we're going to touch upon that, especially with some of those clouded backfield situations and receivers who are going to be on the field and off the field and all that stuff. So uh, hopefully it's going to answer some questions here as we go to week two, and we're going to just start recapping things from week one, the thing that kicked it all off, the Texans and the Chiefs, and right away... Oh, Bill O'Brien was a genius because he traded for David Johnson. He was using him early, but then as that game went on, they had no other offense.
1: It seemed that way, yeah. Through the first quarter, Bill O'Brien was the Einstein GM of the NFL, seemingly. You know, we all got it wrong. He got it right. Yeah. David Johnson with the first touchdown in 2020 after that Demarcus Robinson catch gets called off in the end zone for KC. Everyone who took a chance on DJ in the second round, third round whenever you got him. I think that was just an immediate uplift, Paul. I mean, there's a lot of questions. As talented as David Johnson is, what he's shown statistically he can do, you know, there's still just that question, you know, injuries, new team, how's he going to look? If you look at the first quarter, the first, like, 20 minutes of game action, he may be, like, the fifth overall pick in fantasy drafts this summer. If you just saw that first quarter, I think his stock goes way up.
0: Yeah, exactly, and especially where he was falling deep in the draft. I mean, the mid, the deep part for running backs. I mean, there's going to be a steal if this production continues from him. Uh, there's going to be a lot of happy owners out there.
1: No question about it. So, you know, game flow certainly worked against him. In the second half, there wasn't a single moment where the Texans were within two possessions. Uh, They never got it to one score in the second half, so ends week one with 11 rushes for 77 yards and the touchdown early, three catches for 32. You can live with that. Next up, we got the Ravens, though, the number seven rush defense from last year. Also, kind of having to do with David Johnson's playing style, a negative for him this week going into week two. Ravens gave up the fewest running back receptions last year. Now, the Browns did run it pretty effectively against the Ravens week one with Chubb and Hunt combining for 5.7 yards per carry. I think if you if you drafted DJ, if you drafted Johnson, you're playing to start him all season. So even in a tough matchup against the Ravens, you're trotting him out there. But not ideal for DFS this week for Johnson, I don't think.
0: And I got to ask about those Texans wide receivers because we saw it as the game went on. There was basically no one else besides Will Fuller. And after a while, he wasn't getting open or anything like that. Is it kind of a little troublesome sign what happened in week one against Kansas City? Because it's not going to get easier for that receiving core against Baltimore this week.
1: It is not. It is not going to get easier this week. Yeah, I mean, I've. Fuller is clearly the guy. I'm going to be honest with you, Paul. Cooks was a guy that we were really high on <laughs> preseason. Banged up, not a great week one, just like four or five points in PPR, or whatever it was. I packaged him up. I'm trying to dish him and. By low on a guy like Deontay Johnson, who was close to double-digit targets, that Texans offense just looked disjointed. They never really got it going. There was that brief moment of hope early. But, you know, combined with the offensive line that's been questionable really since Watson came in the league, they gave up seven quarterback hits, four sacks in week one to the Chiefs. You know, the skill position players just seemed – it was just out of place, Paul. They never really seemed to get it cooking. So I'm kind of selling my stock a little bit here on the Texans two through four receivers. Fuller, you love the upside. Injury is always a question, but he is definitely the guy for me at this point. I'm selling my stock in the Texans receivers a little bit after seeing week one.
0: And on the other side, you know, we all were waiting for Clyde edwards helaire to make an impact, and well, he did. And again, justifying why a lot of people said, you know, maybe he's in this, he's for sure in the top 10, maybe he'll be pushing the top five in fantasy backs by the end of the year, here
1: now it's classic overreaction. I was saying David Johnson what we saw from him early <laughs> made him seem like a top five pick, and it's the same thing with Ceh. If you watch the first, if you watch this whole game. Ceh is probably the fourth pick. I would take him fourth, maybe even second or third. But it was a complete coming out party for him. The touchdown run in the third quarter was really the clincher. Where you're like, this is a fantasy matchup, week winning performance from Ceh. Ended up with 19.8 TPR points. Love this one, Paul. The 138 yards he picked up, most by any NFL player in their debut since Kareem Hunt in 2017.
0: Oh, yeah, that game against the Patriots, yes. Exactly. A fumble on his
1: first carry and just yes. comes back Kareem Hunt in his debut in, uh, three years ago. That just you know continues to show the trend, Paul. Andy Reid running backs, most of the time fantasy gold, and especially if they're front and center like CEH. Man, he is, no question, top five pick, and I don't think that's an overreaction. He looked great. I mean, it wasn't just Texans missing tackles. Sure, they were. uh, First game, a little bit sloppy, but, yeah, man, he was making people miss. I don't think it's just that offense. I mean, there's a reason he was the first back taken in April's draft. It's also, it's the offense, and it's his skill, man. He looked really good on the field on Thursday night in the opener.
0: Now, the other thing I'd ask you about is the Kansas City wide receiving, uh, you know, crew, because it is kind of uh, a hard one to pick after Tyreek Hill. I got stunk up with uh, Murkeel Mer- Heideman. I thought he was going to go off. I thought, you know, this he's going to start this year with a bang because all the buzz. I bought into the fantasy buzz of Hardeman as being the next guy up, but... It's good old Sammy Watkins that proved to put up the big numbers. Is he going to consistently do this, though, week in and week out? Or, you know, we're going to have Robinson in there, Hardiman some weeks, and someone else they get off the streets. <laughs> I mean, it seems like as the next week's leading receiver, I mean, that's going to be the juggling act, it seems like, with the KC receivers.
1: I would guess that with Watkins. I mean, really. Last year, he came out against the Jaguars and just blew it up. Week one last year, nine catches, 198 yards, three touchdowns against the Jaguars. So we've seen this week one, Sammy Watkins with the Chiefs. Now, the case for him is, you know, this is his third year with Kansas City. He's starting to blossom. He's starting to really figure it out with Mahomes. But, man, last last year after week one, he was wide receiver 71. Man, I mean, there was a huge drop-off. Surely you're excited. I think the realistic expectation for him is the top 30 receiver. If you get that out of Sammy Watkins this year, I think that's a win. You know it's Hill. You know it's Kelsey, like you said. But that third guy is probably going to mix in. He was really good during the playoffs. Sammy Watkins. 76-plus receiving yards in all three of Kansas City's wins. Ended the postseason with almost 300 receiving yards, 288. And uh, came up with 14 total catches and a touchdown in those three games. You know, I think top 30 is what you're looking for out of Sammy, but he's not going to be a top 15 guy. The injury questions, and I think they're going to spread it around. Uh, You saw Demarcus Robinson almost a touchdown. I think they're going to spread it around after Kelsey and Hill, of course.
0: Next game, we're going to feature the Eagles, the Reds, or Washington football team. There we go. i got to get that right. Uh, So, again, it started off with Carson Wentz. Uh, Again, What do we make of him? (laughs) Because coming out of the game, Eagles fans are like, I I don't like this guy anymore. And, I mean, it wasn't too – I mean, the passing yards are there, but the inconsistency and everything else. And he had a big missing piece on the line with Lane Johnson out. So what do we make of this Eagles offense after this week?
1: No question. I mean, it's starting to feel like – I hate to say it because I know this guy can burn me. And we've seen him play at an MVP level – back in the Super Bowl year for the Eagles before he got hurt but he's starting to feel like one of the more overrated quarterbacks. I, you hear all summer, you know, this guy has all the talent and he does. I mean, Carson Wentz is a extremely talented guy. We've seen it, but he has trouble taking a bit off his fastball. You see him just, you know, running back a few few yards off the line, rockets it, just throws a rocket. He needs to work on touch in the short and intermediate routes. That's what I've seen. You know, he's putting up decent numbers, but not week-winning numbers. He doesn't have that consistent 20-point you know, upside. He did have 17-plus points in each of his final five games last year, weeks 13 through 17. But in those five games, just 10 touchdown passes, You know, two per game is decent, but it's not going to win you your league necessarily. Week two, this matchup coming against the Rams, they looked really good. Brandon Staley, the new defensive coordinator for Los Angeles, they were able to hold Dak Prescott, who had 30 touchdown passes last year, to just one. Got to Dak a lot, hit him seven times. And Wentz got hit eight times in week one against a really good Washington in front seven. Also, in addition to Lane Johnson, of course, they got Brandon Brooks out. And, Paul, you know, it just shows the passing of the time. When you see Jason Peters getting dominated by Chase Young, Yeah, that's, that's scary. It's like, okay, this is the passing of the torch. I mean, this guy is next. And that Washington front seven is legit. That's part of the reason Wentz didn't look too great. But I, I'm definitely tentative, Paul. I mean, I think I picked them. To, I would have picked them to win this division. Mm-hmm. And really, I'm tossing my hands up. I don't know if it's them or Dallas at this point, but neither really looked great in week one.
0: And the other part of that offense, and this kind of drove me nuts because Miles Sanders was ruled out, and then everybody and their mother is like, pick up Boston Scott, or should I pick up Boston Scott? And the question I had to just pose is how bad was your draft that you're not in a position mm-hmm. to have somebody, I guess, a little bit more touches or you know what you're going to get out of that backfield situation on your roster, that you have to pick him up going into week one? Because my whole thing is we know the history of the Eagles offense. They throw the ball, and Doug Peterson not afraid to do that and it showed again this week where they, they quit running the ball when they had a lead.
1: Man, Boston Scott, we hear a lot about his point-per-game averages last year late in the season he got opportunities. I mean, a lot of that came in two games, four rushing touchdowns combined, weeks 14 and 17 against the Giants.
0: Uh, key word there, not a ton. Against, that against the Giants. Sorry. Against the Giants. Yeah, key that's word, the key exactly. word.
1: <laughs> key word exactly. Yeah. This week one here. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're if you throwing Scott in in anything short of a 16-team league, I think that's an examination of the draft strategy. you got to take a look in the mirror at that point. <laughs> yes. But, you know, just nine rushes week one, outside of like a 14- to 16-team league, I don't see a lot of utility in him right now. I mean, sure, throw him on the bench. He does have that ability late in the season if you get banged up at the position to get you a good week. I mean, it's a bit of a dart throw. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, with Miles Sanders out, in a 10-team league, I'm not starting any of these Eagles' backs right now, him nor Corey Clement.
0: Yeah, and it's hard. And like you said, they're they're against Aaron, the the Rams coming up week two, and it's not going to get any better. Even with Miles Sanders back, he's going to have to face Aaron Donald in that front from the Rams.
1: Now it's a tough call here. I mean, there's reportedly decent hope that he's going to play, according to NBC Sports this week, and that in regards to Miles Sanders. I don't know, Paul. That that is a tough call because even if he plays, how much work is Miles Sanders going to get? You know, Zeke ate this Rams defense up pretty well, but Ezekiel Elliott is Ezekiel Elliott. That's a different story altogether. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, if if you're going into Sunday, what do you have to see to to throw Sanders in the lineup, Paul? Like, are you going to do it at all? The first game back here from the injury, or are you questionable here? with throwing Sanders in. I mean, you had to have spent your first pick on him to get him. So you, if you're not throwing him in, yeah, I, I don't know.
0: I think you have to start him because of that, what you just said. You you draft these guys high for a reason, and you believe they're going to do that, and you've got to play them. I'm just – the Lane Johnson injury, is he out multiple weeks? Because I know they said something about the surgery he had, and it was kind of a surprise that he missed this game, even though somehow they were like, it's a surprise, but not really because he had this emergency surgery. Is, how long is he going to be out for on that line? Because I think that is a, you know, a big thing for them right now.
1: It sounds like he's going to be ready to go for week two, Paul. Okay. Uh, he was a full participant in practice today as of recording Wednesday. So it looks like Lane Johnson, huge get back for the Eagles offense. That could really change the dynamic, of course, him being one of the best tackles in football. Yeah, it looks like he's going to be ready to go week two, coming off that ankle injury.
0: Well, then I say start him. I, then I don't. I, I mean, if you have to, and he's your number one guy, yeah, you got to put him in. Even though it's going to be a tough battle against the Rams, I'm always like, you've got to start your studs, or else why'd you even pick him?
1: I agree. I think it's start your studs and roll the dice. He'll give you the most upside, even on you know twelve to fourteen carries if he's on a reserve. Roll. You got to roll them out there. I think as the first pick in your on your team.
0: Now let's talk about the Washington backfield, which is I don't know. Pick one and maybe they'll score two touchdowns like Peyton Barber did this week. I don't know how many guys had Peyton Barber in their lineup. I'm going to say it was like three percent maybe in the country. But we got you know this four backs to choose from. It that's it looks like it's going to be that game for a while here with Washington.
1: It's got to be a stay away, Paul, unless you're really deep, desperate on like a bye week in a deep league late in the season, may throw Barber in there. We'll see if Gibson's uh, passing game usage comes up. He was a guy I liked week one. He did average four yards per carry, but just nine carries, ended up with 36 rushing yards, two catches for eight yards, not really getting it done there as a DFS pick. And Barber is just tough tough to start in general because not super efficient, And you're really relying on him to get in the end zone for him to be a worthwhile fantasy start. Uh, Last year in seven starts for Barber as a Buccaneer, averaged under 40 yards per game with three total touchdowns in those seven appearances. So, you know, sporadic in terms of when the touchdowns are going to come, of course. Uh, So right now, week two, I'm not starting any of these guys, even in like a 14-team league if I can help it. Uh, J.D. McKissick as well, not much for him and Bryce Love. Uh, wasn't even wasn't seen on the field. So, or at least didn't get any touches. So right now I'm staying away from this Washington backfield. And that's just, it's just too much, too much of a split right now, Paul. I don't think that you can really rely on any of these four guys between Gibson, Love, Barber, and McKissick. Uh, I just stay away from me right now.
0: And what about the receiver, Terry McLaurin? I mean, he was available in some parts of the draft, lower part for those wide receivers. If you're looking for a value, it seemed like a good value in the draft, but This is the part where we're kind of wondering what kind of player he is because he does it in spurts like last year and, uh, well, kind of a slow start this year.
1: Certainly. I mean, five catches for 61 in week one for F1 McLaurin, a.k.a. Score McLaurin, a.k.a. Scary Terry. He's got more nicknames than anybody. I mean, people are pushing back. They don't like Scary Terry. I don't hate it. I mean, someone else has already got that nickname, but I still like him as Scary Terry. You know, not a great week one. Five catches, 61, uh, but solid. You know, when Darius Slay was in coverage on McLaurin, he, for the most part, shut him down. Just one catch allowed by Slay when they were one-on-one. But we'll see next time these two teams match up. I would be surprised if Philly doesn't shadow McLaurin more. Um, But, yeah, a decent week. Last last year, as you said, Paul, there were three clear sections to his season. He started off and just really took the league by storm. Uh, huge pickup on waiver wires immediately, weeks one through six. He was the number 14 receiver in PPR. He had 17 or more points in four of those five games. And then the midseason slump here, weeks 11, sorry, week seven to 11 last year. This is Sammy Watkins' territory. Wide receiver 73, week seven to 11 last year for McLaurin. So really slumped midseason, but then again, late season, returned. To wide receiver two form which is kind of where he lands he's a low-end wide receiver two you know good flex play most weeks but uh you know decent week one and he's, he's a low-end wide receiver two that you can feel okay about i think ball
0: and next up we're going to talk about the dolphins of the patriots and we found out what the uh patriots were going to do with that offense with cam newton uh, they're going to let him run the ball because they let him carry They'll it. let him run it. 15 times he carried the ball, couples touchdowns on design quarterback run plays. This is going to be interesting. And how long are they going to go with this? I could see the Patriots operating this way kind of like in sections of the season where they might let him run a little bit more. And then some games are going to pass a little bit more. So it'll be interesting to see. But I guess you got to say successful for Cam in week one.
1: Definitely. I mean, his first start. In over a year here, last year, really abysmal. I mean, he came in, banged up with the Panthers last year, it seemed. No touchdown passes, no touchdown runs on 94 combined passes and rushes last year. And eight straight losses as a starter coming into this game for Cam Newton. He's got to feel great. I mean, that was... uh, Didn't quite get three touchdowns, as I hoped, but he got two. And you love it if you're a fan of CGM with him on your team. You know, that seems... Like, they're mostly going to run it. That's largely what he does best. There's going to be some weeks where they peel that back. I'll be very interested to see what they do this week against the Seahawks and Bobby Wagner. I mean, the Seahawks got lit up by Matt Ryan last week for 450 passing yards, but this is going to be a very different game plan they're going up against in Newton and the Patriots. I think we can count on close to double-digit runs most week for Cam. But I, like you said, Paul, it's not going to be 15 every week. Even though he's on, you know, a one-year prove-it deal, he's still their best offensive player, and they need to keep him healthy if they want to make a postseason run. Which it actually seems like they could be a team that gets to a wild-card division game based on week one. We'll see. You know, they played the Dolphins, but they looked really good week one. And Cam looked good, especially.
0: And the backfield for the Patriots still kind of a question mark. But Sony Michelle, he had a touchdown, and so I guess all these backs were way down on everyone's list uh, or where they were getting drafted as well. So I guess, what do you think here for this one?
1: Now, if it's a deeper league, I'm looking at Michelle and I'm looking at James White, at least with Michelle, you get double digit carries. I think he's, I think he's mostly going to be the guy they rely on between the tackles. He got 10 Burkhead, Rex Burkhead ended up with seven. Uh, Michelle, he'll probably be the pounder during, you know, down in the red zone at the goal line. But Burkhead gets those carries too. I mean, it's it's going to be a tough backfield, but a backfield you feel a little bit better than uh, compared to Washington's. I think just more offensive upside. I think Cam is going to move it. But the thing about this backfield, Paul, is I think Cam is the primary rusher. I mean, he's going to take a lot of those goal line attempts uh, across the course of the season. He's not going to take all of them, but that's going to eat up some of the red zone work and potentially vulture some touchdowns from Michelle and Burkhead here. So uh, for me, it's, it's really just, if you're in a 12 or deeper league, uh, that's when these guys start to come into play. But uh, PPR, of course, James White does have PPR value. He's a very efficient PPR player, but I don't know. That's my main concern, Paul is Cam stealing carries down by the goal line. That I think could really sap the value of this Patriots backfield, which you know, we've seen them have success with multiple backs in fantasy, but never with a quarterback who runs like this.
0: And the other question about the Patriots, what about the receivers? Yeah, Julian Edelman, was he ever going to be the same without Tom Brady? And, well, so-so week one that it looked like, you know, Cam knew how to find him.
1: Knew how to find him. Five catches for 57 for Edelman. I think he was way underdrafted, even going from Brady to Cam. Uh, drafted as wide receiver 33 or 35 in that range, despite finishing as the seventh-best receiver in PPR last year. The Week two matchup does look pretty good. Now, we'll see. Cam Newton, certainly not the passer that Matt Ryan is right now. Mm -hmm. But Seattle, they allowed three different guys to go for nine receptions, 110 receiving yards against them in week one. So, you know, Seattle's kind of got a... Sneaky secondary. They got some corners that are lesser known. They got Jamal Adams, the star, of course, Bobby Wagner, holding it down in the middle. But, yeah, they did not look too great. So Edelman is a decent matchup here. DFS going into week two against the Seattle defense. They got lit up by Atlanta week
0: one. Now on the other side of the ball, the Dolphins offense, boy, there was a lot of issues there. Not pretty. Not pretty. I had to start Jordan Howard in one league. And, well, at least he, too. He, got a, he got a touchdown, I guess. That was that
1: salvaged our day. Yeah, I that, think he had seven or eight yards. Yeah,
0: seven or eight <laughs> yards and a touchdown that salvaged, I guess, somewhat of it. And this receiving core is, uh, this is what we we're afraid about. Devontae Parker, we thought, okay, the big season last year, he's just going to build on it. Well, it was kind of rough week one. And another guy we've been mentioning about, Preston Williams, he saw a little more targets uh, come his way in uh, week one. So what do we make of this uh, Dolphins wide receiving core?
1: Now, we touched on this on a previous one. I just wanted to come back to this point of the comparison of these two guys. Weeks one through nine last year. Yeah, Williams had more targets than Parker over that span. He actually was wide receiver 37. Parker was just one slot ahead of him over the first half of the season at wide receiver 36. But Williams suffered that torn ACL in week nine. Already back on the field here week one with a quick recovery. Uh, He goes for two catches for 41 yards. Parker, four for 47 I mean, it wasn't great. Fitzpatrick really did not look good. I mean, it's week to week with him. We don't know what we're going to get with him, but ah, man, I'm not excited about this. If you, if you took Parker, as your wide receiver too, right now, I don't think you're feeling too good. It may have been, it may have been just a a one-year wonder, Paul. I don't know. He's going to have some games, but man, that pick is not looking too great. And I know he's been banged up here early, but week two going up against Buffalo Uh, On paper, you don't like it. You do not like it with White and Levi Wallace as the one-two corners. And uh, here we got Parker. He actually aggravated what was considered existing hamstring injury there on the opener. And it looked like he was going to miss a good bit of time, but now he's kind of trending back. We're not sure if he's going to play in week two, Devontae Parker. So if Parker's out of the lineup here in week two, I could see Preston Williams being inserted into your fantasy lineup as a flex just for pure volume. You know, Jameson Crowder did go off against the Bills with a lot of volume. A oh boy, uh, Chris Herndon, he came up with six catches. You know, there could be a decent fantasy week in there for Preston Williams, but I think that would be involved with Devontae Parker being out of the lineup and him getting more targets here. Tough matchup against Buffalo.
0: Up next, uh, Packers, Vikings, and, well, Aaron Rodgers with that chip on his shoulder. If he's going to play this way the whole year, a lot of people are going to be upset that they have him as, well, a lot of people have him as his backup in some leagues. I mean, it depends on how many you pick. But uh, he's going to make a lot of people mad that uh, they didn't pick him uh, as one, maybe one of the top quarterbacks, if he could keep this up. He
1: took me out to the woodshed last week, Paul. I, did, I put him on my do not start list against the Vikings. I talked about, you know, star players on defense. Uh, yeah. I mean, those are young corners. They look like young corners, Paul. I mean, he went crazy. 364 passing yards, four touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, I missed on that one, Paul. He, he hurt me last week. He burned me pretty good Aaron Rodgers. So what are we doing now? Is see is he a top five quarterback or was this just the matchup? I mean, is he going to play like this all year? That's the question. Mm -hmm. Oh man. I I think he has that
0: potential. I think he does, especially with some of these, you know, he's got the matchups against some I, – I, I'm trying to think of the Bears situation at corner, but, I mean, Detroit, Minnesota, Chicago, you think about those matchups, he faces those guys twice. So he's going to have some pretty good matchups against them in division, and then when they go out of division too, it could be if he – like you said, he's got the chip on the shoulder this year, he could be – top five quarterback again, and make us all wrong about everything?
1: No question about it. I mean, in the week two matchup here, going against Detroit, he burns everyone in division, it seems like, over history. Last year was a terrible year for him. Uh, Quarterback 24 over the latter half of 2019. There's a big reason why I wasn't fond on starting him week one, but – in this week two matchup against the Lions, I mean, Mitch Trubisky threw three touchdowns against the Lions week one. <laughs> so uh, that equals six I, I touchdowns for Rogers,
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so expect maybe some more from Rogers this week against Detroit. And it's at uh, Lambeau, so it's the first home game. So it should be interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm flipping it this week. I said Sinem last week. Uh, overreaction from week one? I don't think so. I think start him week two, Uh, Last time these two teams played, Week 17, Packers and Lions, Rodgers put up 55 pass attempts, 323 yards, and two touchdowns. So eh, it looks like he's pissed off, and I'm starting Rodgers if I can uh, in some DFS lineups.
0: A guy that surprised me on that offense, Aaron Jones, because you know we had the discussion, is he a top 10 back? And I, I didn't think so. I thought even with the big touchdown year, I think he's still outside the top 10. But last week, I mean, he... He put up some numbers against the Vikings. And, uh, you know, if he continues this, I think, again, he might get himself into that conversation by the end of the year. And, of course, with the free agency pending, he might, uh, that might be a motivating factor as well. No
1: question. I mean, just over four yards per carry, decently efficient with the rushing score, additional four catches. You know, not a lot of yardage, just 10 receiving yards for Jones Week One. But in PPR, you like the four catches. You know They mixed in Irvin, they mixed in Jamal Williams for a split 10 carries, but the rookie, A.J. Dillon, didn't really get any work week one. Uh, Yeah, I think that we saw his yards per carry early in the career. We're like, let Aaron Jones cook. Let this guy live his life. Let him get 15 carries a game because he's going to be uber-efficient. Now, he hasn't been quite as efficient. He's been an incredible touchdown producer. 16 last year, led the NFL. He was 12th in yardage last year. Even with these guys cutting into his work share, He's just a really good back, and it seems like A.J. Dillon's going to be more of a you know, slow roll over the course of the season, developmental guy, despite him being a second-rounder. We'll see how that shakes out. Um, but Week 2, against the Lions as well, we, we covered Rodgers in the passing game here. Jones, for the running backs, going up against the Lions, they were a bottom-half defense last year. And you know David Montgomery was banged up coming into this week. Uh, Tariq Cohen, they lit him up for 105 rushing yards combined Week 1 they did on Detroit. Corderell Patterson had a pretty good couple of runs. So, you know, it's a good matchup here going against Detroit for Aaron Jones. I'm with you. I don't think he's quite a top 10 back. I think he's kind of slipping in that 11 to 14 range among backs. But talented enough to overcome the workload concerns. And against Detroit, it's going to be a pretty good uh, run here against Patricia's defense. I do not have much faith in Patricia here in general.
0: And on the Minnesota side of things, I mean, Dalvin Cook, uh, 12 rushes, 50 yards. He'd had the two touchdowns, which looked good. Obviously, that's what you want, but I don't know. It was that offense, and Thielen, I know, broke out, and he had a 100-yard game, but that offense looked very sluggish against the Packers.
1: Yeah, I mean, Cook really bailed out by the two scores there, just 50 yards on the ground, one catch for negative two yards, Last year, he was an extremely high-floor guy. I mean, 13 of his 14 appearances, he had 13 or more PPR points, second in PPR points per game. I, I don't know. I mean, in terms of NFL football, I'm not too adamant about this offense, and especially in the postseason, as we've discussed on the phone. Would you just be in a Vikings fan, Paul? It's like, you do not trust Kirk <laughs> in no, the playoffs.
0: No, not at all. You're not
1: <laughs> But I still think, you know, Cook is just an elite player. He'll get it going, I think, but not a, not a superb week one outside of the two scores that kind of bailed them out.
0: Here's what I'm saying too: if you are a Ty Hilton owner or a Paris Campbell owner, you start them this week against the Vikings secondary because again, those corners. I was warning everyone that I knew it's going to be rough, and it showed week one. Zimmer's got to do a lot of coaching to get these young corners ready to go and. Until that point, I think other teams, they're going to give up a lot of yards through the air, and I think the Colts will be the beneficiaries coming up this week.
1: No question. I think the most underrated thing to building a championship NFL team is cornerback. I mean, most important position is quarterback, left tackle, pass rush. As many stars as the Vikings have. I mean, they have like five freaking pro bowlers on their defense. If you don't have guys who can cover on the outside, especially against Aaron Rodgers, Good night. I mean, it just goes to show, man. 23-year-old Holton Hill in a crucial role, starting Jeff Gladney, the first-rounder, his first NFL game. I mean, it just goes to show. If you don't have guys who can cover on the perimeter, these young guys, it doesn't matter how many Pro Bowl – if you got two Pro Bowl safeties, you got a Pro Bowl linebacker, you got Neal Hunter. Obviously, he was out, but you still got Ngakwe. Man, I'm, I'm worried about these corners. I'm with you. Light up T.Y. Hilton and light up the Colts passing game yeah. week two DFS
0: Speaking of Colts, uh, we'll review them and the Jaguars. Phillip Rivers, the debut. I oh, mean, this was a strange game. I just balled it along loosely on the just score on the bottom line. It was coming up, and I'm just like, how are they not blowing out Jacksonville? Because they started off good, but then all of a sudden I'm like, what? what is going on here with this with this Colts team? So what do we take away from week one? We now know who's going to be in the backfield because of injury, but what do we take away from week one?
1: Well, I don't think the Colts are winning the AFC South. No. That's, that's my take. Yes. I think the Texans look very legitimate. I mean, Gostkowski on Monday night with three missed field goals and a missed extra point, kept the Broncos in that game. Titans should have won by touchdown. They're a very legitimate team. If the Colts are having trouble, knocking down the tank for Trevor Jaguars is yes. one. I mean, I love Minshew. I love his guts. I think he's super efficient. But then you don't have any players. I mean, wow. how do you lose – to the Jaguars week one, it's because of crunch time interceptions from Uncle Phil. Philip Rivers, 20 interceptions last year, third worst in the NFL, only famous Jameis Winston, Baker, Baker Mayfield threw more interceptions last year, and they always seem to come in the clutch. Now, in terms of fantasy for his receivers, you love him against the Vikings week two, and maybe Rivers will have a good week as he settles in here. I think that the familiarity with Frank Reich certainly helps his offensive coordinator in uh, then San Diego from 2013 to 2015. And he set a career high in passing yards with Reich. He did throw for 363 yards week one, Paul. I mean, yeah. through the two picks, he was a bad NFL quarterback week one, but he was a good, uh, elite, decent fantasy quarterback, came up with around 15 points despite the two picks. So yeah, my, my takeaway here is I really like T.Y. in week two, Philip. I'm kind of lukewarm on week two, uh, and yeah, the concern here is just the the crunch time picks from Phillip just break your back time and time again, and you know they're coming, Paul. You know that interception yep. on the two-minute drill is coming.
0: Yes, it is, and the backfield situation, like we said, it got cleared up a little bit, unfortunately, because Marlon Mack, that uh, torn Achilles injury, he's done for the season, I was getting upset because Naeem Hines was scoring all the touchdowns. <laughs> and I'm like, well, why is he back in this offense, buddy? He's back rolling again. And then Jordan Taylor, the rookie as well. Uh, if you were a Taylor owner, you were grabbing him, you know, down there, but you were one wondering, you know, when's he going to start coming through and getting more carries and more action? Well, it's going to be this week against Minnesota.
1: It's going to be this week against Minnesota. The week one – Situation I want to discuss here, Paul. Crazy fantasy trade here in my league. I had one GM in my league say, I just proposed a trade. I want you to push this through. And I said, okay, let me look at this trade. It was Devontae Adams and Jonathan Taylor for Ezekiel Elliott and Logan, Logan Thomas. But really, Logan Thomas is just being dropped in this. But anyway, they said, I want you to push this trade through. It's a fair trade. Push it through because we don't want to worry about injury this weekend. And a and behold, Marlon Mack goes down, and Jonathan Taylor, he has top 10, top 15 upside. I mean, that Devontae Adams, Jonathan Taylor side of the trade won big. Oh, man. Not, not efficient week one, uh, nine rushes for 22, but he did come through in the passing game with six sketches for 67 yards. He was second on the team in receiving week one against Jacksonville. So, man, uh, huh. Jonathan Taylor, his, his value, unfortunately, like you said, Mac down, I'm I'm wishing him to be back as soon as possible and kill it in the NFL, but in terms of Taylor's fantasy value, this exponentially increases it. The concern with him is fumbles. Fumbled a little bit despite his prolific production at Wisconsin. Quite a few fumbles, so that would be the concern, but it seems like he's going to be the between the tackles guy. Himes is certainly not going to get a ton of that work. His value is really mostly in PPR, but he lit it up week one and you know, you think of Eckler. I mean, Eckler was still pretty Yes. Is, is that what's in store for Naheem Hines? I was not really high on him coming in, but, man, week one, he looked really good.
0: And then on the other side, the Jakes, as we said, do any of these guys have fantasy value? Well, Gardner Minshew, is again, he, he did what he does, always does, seems to find a way to win and put up some pretty good numbers.
1: He did. I mean, not a great fantasy week one, but. My goodness, 19 completions on 20 attempts. That is such a Gardner Minshew stat. Yes. Uh, last year, he was 20th in scoring. He was, he was okay. I mean, 20th in scoring, and that was with two games he just completely did not play at all, and then four games where Nick Foles started. So the fact he was top 20 as a rookie, uh, pretty darn good with all that missed time. He's now 7-6 and six as the Jaguar starter. Uh, Nick Foles was 0-4, of course, so, man... They love him. I think they just rally around him, and he is really just a gutsy player. I mean, my guy, Drew Locke, his deep ball has been kind of iffy. If he doesn't look great this year and they take Trevor Lawrence, I want him as a Broncos fan. This guy, Gardner Minshew, he is a real NFL quarterback. He's a real dude. And I think the yardage production may come in time. We remember at Washington State, he lit up those departments in yardage. I mean, that's college. That's Pac-12, but... -hmm. He's super efficient, and we may see him just become a, a really legitimate top ten fantasy quarterback over time. And maybe, maybe this year. But I like him more in two QB, and I love him as an NFL quarterback, a real life quarterback. He is a gutsy guy.
0: And that backfield, we going in, we're like, I, none of these guys. But James Robinson put up a very impressive debut, and you know he was probably the number one pick off the waiver wire, one of them at least, one of the top picks off the waiver wire this week if you didn't grab him before the season started. Um, what can we expect production-wise from him here in the next few weeks?
1: I think he's going to get to work. I mean, we know that the other backs they've had in the mix, ah, Fournette, of course, out of there. Agumba Wale's really been yeah. largely a pass-catching guy for when he was playing with the Bucks. He was largely deployed in that regard. Chris Thompson, of course, he's dealt with injuries time and time again. And it's more of a pass-catching back, too. Robinson here in his debut becomes the fourth undrafted rookie since the NFL AFL merger first, sorry, fourth undrafted rookie running back to ever start since the merger. So just incredibly rare company coming out of Illinois State. And he did okay. I mean, close to four yards per carry. But what you like is the 16 carries. That is really robust workload. A 28 yard catch breaks that off. I mean, I picked him up in a 10 team league. I don't think he's going to be available in a ton of leagues after a second wave, but if you can still get him, I'm getting him. Uh, he he looked decent in his NFL debut, and Chris Thompson continues to be kind of just the okay PPR option in deeper leagues.
0: Well, the next up Bears and Lions. We'll recap that one here. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky, a tale of two halves. I was seeing tweets from Bears fans. Pull them, put in foals at halftime, and Mitch. Comes back and leads the waveform, form, and then of course now we have the thing with Allen Robinson during the week, as you want to be a bear or not. So, offensively, they got that to deal with this week.
1: They got a lot to deal with, and I'm wondering, Paul, if it's too late to throw down thousand bucks, you and me, we split it. If Trubisky wins MVP, <laughs> oh, we can we can take a couple of years off work. We get a hundred thousand back. A hundred to one MVP odds for Trubisky. I, I, are you in, Paul? I mean, this uh, could happen. We could, if we see what we saw in the second half from Trubisky, he could win MVP. Yes.
0: I don't. I don't know if I'm <laughs> safe with that one. No way. No way. Can't do it. That's overreaction Monday. That's overreaction yes.
1: Monday. Man, but three fourth quarter touchdowns to yes. him, though, Paul.
0: I know. It was. It was unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable. No. I, as, as good a return as that is, a hundred to one odds. <laughs> It's not happening. It's not happening, but you love to see it. I'm glad they didn't pull him. Uh, you know, there was a lot of buzz about him last year. He was quarterback 15 in 2018 in fantasy. There's a lot of people going into last season that were kind of buzzing about him. Uh, but last year tied for 27th in touchdown passes, uh, just 17 really looks frenetic. I mean, that, if you watch the eye test, it just looks, he's uncomfortable in the pocket in the red zone. He's super inaccurate in general. He's pretty inaccurate. Um, Really, he does have some rushing upside, but I don't think he's much of a promising NFL quarterback moving forward. He may get you a couple good starts this this year. Going up against the Giants, they held up pretty well in the first half, but Big Ben ultimately came around with three passing touchdowns against them. I don't know about for MVP, but maybe a flyer if you want to go cheap at quarterback. Trubisky could be a flyer against the Giants. That secondary is rough, Yeah, but... Yeah, I don't
0: know about any people. No, I I don't think we're gonna go that far. <laughs> On the uh, Detroit side of things, I mean, they had it into this game banged up with no Kenny Galladay, and it was weird with the backfield situation as well because we thought, well, you know, it's gonna be DeAndre Swift and uh, <laughs> and whoever. We, it was a committee. No, you know, not gonna be Carry On Johnson. You know, we don't know who's gonna be the bulk. And it was Adrian Peterson who they just picked up days ago, and he almost went for 100 yards. So from going from here on out, do you feel comfortable with any of these backs? I mean, with AP, I don't know how many weeks he could keep this up, but that Patricia Stiles seems like it would fit him more than anyone in that backfield right now.
1: I think so, and I was surprised as you. I mean, I was kind of predicting him to come in and get – Less than ten carries for sure. Maybe yes. like five carries in this game. Uh, wow. He doubled Carry on Johnson's yeah. <laughs> carry count and he looked a lot better. I mean, Carry on Johnson with only fourteen rushing yards on seven carries. Uh, I don't know if DeAndre Swift is gonna be in the doghouse now after yes. that crucial drop.
0: Yeah.
1: That that hurt that hurt a that lot. Was, but yeah. I guess, Paul, if you're in like a twelve deeper league, you know, Peterson's worth a stash. You never know. Late in the season, those running backs, they do have a ton of value. A starting running back is a starting running back in fantasy, but I'm not adamant about starting him in, like, a 10-team league, even though he was really effective week one.
0: Up next, we're going to talk about, uh, well, the Raiders and the Panthers in the game there with Christian McCaffrey, of course, the first guy off the board, and uh, it was all right for week one. Not too impressive, I guess, but it was week one. Week one, not yeah. not a you know
1: not a forty point McCaffrey game, yes. more like a high twenties. I think yes. he was like near twenty
0: seven, twenty eight.
1: A, a solid game that just goes to show how good he is. Yeah. So I had the same expect- thing. I drafted him in one league. I'm like McCaffrey. I mean, how many points did he get? Like sixteen. Like I, I just felt like exactly. I, you know, I didn't score as many points as I thought on that fantasy team. I thought he couldn't have done that well. He still came up with like twenty seven or twenty eight points on kind of a whole hum week. Yes. So man. He gets a lot of work. I mean, he had 156 more PPR points than any other running back in the NFL last year. Uh, Now, you know, the Raiders, they did improve at linebacker. They've been horrendous at that position the last couple of years. They bring in Corey Littleton, who is a really good player, under 25-plus tackles the last two years. He's got a Pro Bowl in 2018. So they've improved in the middle a little bit in Oakland. They held McCaffrey to under five yards per carry, at least still pretty efficient with 96 yards on 23 runs. Uh, three catches for 38, but it was really the guy on the other side who was the story, the DFS hero of week one was Josh Jacobs. Yes. Uh, highest point total of any running back on Sunday of actually any player on Sunday in standard scoring. It was only Devonte Adams who exceeded Josh Jacobs production. And I was in PPR. So three rushing touchdowns for Jacobs, 25 carries four catches. He is getting a work horse type. load. Josh Jacobs. I mean, he could be a top three back. I think he was top ten last year. But coming into week two for DFS, I'm, I'm pumping the brakes on him a little bit here because New Orleans, the number four rush defense from last year, really shut down the Bucks in week one. The Bucks also look pretty discombobulated, similar to the Texans here. A little better than the Texans. Certainly didn't look week one. But Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, just 3.2 yards per carry against the Saints defense in week one. So for Josh Jacobs... As great as he is, he's your number one running back, starting him every week, no question. But EFS, I'm fading him a little bit here in week two.
0: The Ravens and Browns and the Browns, uh, the more, again, Baker Mayfield, I'm glad he made all those commercials because if he keeps this up, Gosh. he ain't going to have a job next year. I mean, it's it is getting to that point where he has got to start doing something.
1: When you see those commercials, man, it really hurts. I'm like, yes. I see him, I see this play on the field. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? you got to <laughs> practice more.
0: What are you doing? Yes. I, I don't this get offense, it. it looked rough.
1: They were probably the most disappointing team we've won, honestly. I thought they could keep it close, and I was wrong. Yeah. I was real wrong, Paul.
0: Yeah, I was with you. I thought, you know, okay, they've got the pieces there. They've got to make this somewhat competitive against the Ravens, and, and it was not even close.
1: Blown out. Uh, it looked bad early. I mean, Baker got picked on the opening drive of the game. A tip pass led to an interception and a return for Baltimore. Uh, yeah, it was a bad omen from the start. Ravens go down and make them pay immediately with the Lamar Jackson touchdown pass. So, finished this quarterback 19, did Baker last year. Oh, 33.4 QBR in the opener. Uh, six points, just not good enough for Cleveland. Uh one touchdown, 189 yards, so, man, if you took a flyer on Mayfield as maybe a QB2 or something this year, he's going to get better. I mean, he's going to have some better games this year. They're, they're going to start to figure out a little bit, but, man, it's looking rough, and I think, yeah. Paul, he is starting to get on the hot seat. He's in that Trubisky territory in terms of pressure on a quarterback. He, he kind of he went the wrong direction, and Trubisky went the right direction, but he's starting to creep into Trubisky pressure territory right now.
0: And on the other side of the ball with the Ravens, Lamar Jackson does what he does. I mean, that's he just scores touchdowns. I mean, that's the thing. He just kept it rolling. But that backfield, we were wondering about how are they going to use these backs, Mark Ingram and mm. J.K. Dobbins. And, well, somehow Dobbins is now a goal line back, which I did not see coming because I would think with Mark Ingram, the size and everything else, veteran back, I thought he would be the goal line back, but apparently in week one, he wasn't. It was Dobbins who outscored him in fantasy this week.
1: He did. I mean, I'm concerned if I'm a Mark Ingram. If I have him on my roster, I'm a little bit worried here. I think he had 19 yards rushing on seven yeah. carries. or Sorry, 22 yards rushing. Something like that. Not a great week one for Ingram here. Uh, Dobbins had both carries inside the five-yard line for the Ravens. Ingram had two red zone carries, but none of the goal line worked. Uh, and 10 total carries for Ingram week one. He only had two games all of last year where he was under 12 carries. So even though this was a little bit of a blowout, only comes down with 10 carries. Sorry, it was 29 rushing yards for Ingram week one. And yeah, you're just concerned about that goal line workage, that goal line work for Dobbins. I mean, that's such a big part of Ingram's value. He had 15 total touchdowns last year. That goal line work, that is a concern here can you start J.K. Dobbins now? I mean, which guy are we going to start week to week? It's such, a good, it's such a good rush offense, Paul, that I'm thinking you could start either or. I mean, if you're in a, 12, you're a 10, 12, 14-team league, you can make a case. I mean, I am a little bit worried about Ingram. I think it's a bit of an overreaction to setting off the alarms. But, oh, I mean, Dobbins is going to cut into this workload here. Uh, but it's a good week-two matchup going against the Texans. They got lit up by C.E.H. and the Chiefs week one. Last year when these two teams met, the Ravens blew them out. 41-7, to ran for 256 yards against the Texans last year when these teams met. And, yeah, they were missing a lot of tackles week one was Houston. So I think you could start both of these guys. This week, but in terms of season long, I am a little bit worried on Ingram.
0: Well, we're going to jump ahead to some uh, quick hitters, other key te- takeaways from uh, week one here, and we're going to start with the Jets. We, I guess you kind of predicted Jamison Crowder because we said this he'll have this game at some point in the season where he'll have the seven catches for 150 yards and he'll get all the targets his way. So I guess if you did have Javison Crowder and you were that desperate to start a wide receiver, congratulations, you're the best person in fantasy ever because uh, no one we thought from the Jets would do anything in that receiving core. And I guess Crowder again early on showing that he might be the receiver to have if you need to take someone.
1: He's what you want. I mean, 13 targets.
0: <laughs> uh, he,
1: look, he had a great week one last year and ended yes. up kind of regressing to the mean a bit, but still a solid year last year for sure. Certainly a startable flex wide receiver to some weeks, but somewhat inconsistent as long as they got Mims out of the lineup and they're really struggling to even feel the non-practice squad receiving core. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just what it is. The jets do not have players. They, someone needs to catch the ball. It seems like Crowder and PPR especially is going to have a lot of value he had nine targets per game over his final five appearances last year. So it seemed like he's starting to build some chemistry with Sam Darnold. And uh, week one, if that's any indication, I mean, he's certainly a viable flex is Jameson Crowder.
0: And on the Bills side of things in that backfield, what do we take away from week one? Do we trust any of them yet to, between Singletary and Moss?
1: Not enthusiastically. I mean, if it's if it's a shallower league, I'm trying to stray away from both of these guys at the moment. Now, it's a pretty rush-heavy offense. There's going to be weeks where one of them falls in the end zone, both of them fall in the end zone, but it's going to be pretty tough. The split was so even. It was nine carries for Singletary, nine carries for Zach Moss, five catches for Singletary, and three catches for Moss. So almost an exact split, Singletary had 14, Moss had 12, and a touchdown for Moss. And again, kind of a similar thing to the the Patriots is Josh Allen is a big time goal line rusher. He led all quarterbacks in rushing touchdowns last year. He's a pretty physical guy down near the goal line and maybe just their best goal line back, period. I mean, not back, but goal line runner. So right now, and, in you know, deeper leagues, of course, you're starting Singletary, you're starting Moss in deeper leagues, and 14-team leagues, but 10 10 or more shallow leagues than that, I'm, Kind of staying away right now from both of these guys still get sorted out. And it may never get sorted out. It may just be a committee all year between Moss and Singletary.
0: The Chargers and Bengals was, I guess, kind of probably the boringest game. of the world. I don't know. It was just strange. We were expecting bigger numbers fantasy-wise, and it didn't really happen. Uh, Eckler, what do we think of him after this week one performance?
1: It was kind of a sloppy game. Low scoring, of course. I think 30 combined points between these two. If you can get a GM in your fantasy league who is concerned about Austin Eckler, though, I think he's a perfect buy-low candidate. I mean, I'm sure in more experienced league, you're not going to be prying him away from anybody, but 19 carries for 84 yards. And what people are probably most concerned about if they draft him, just one catch for three yards. <laughs> now he's just, he's just too talented of a receiving back to do that. I mean, I think Anthony Lynn is smart enough to know he's a great receiving back Anthony Lynn, of course, the former running back himself, that's a huge part of their offense. So even with Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback, I mean, he may not throw the running back quite as much as Rivers did last year or in general, but i got to believe this is a one-off performance here for Eckler, and I, I am looking to buy low. I mean, he finished last year with 92 catches, just too much talent. I think that even with Tyrod Taylor leading this offense, he's got to come around, and he is a good buy low right now.
0: Cardinals and 49ers. I, this was the surprise of the week to me: the Cardinals uh, beating the 49ers and DeAndre Hopkins sticking it to the Texans, basically in this one.
1: Yeah, fill the bill, fill the burn bill. <laughs> bill O'Brien. We talked about David Johnson. He looked like a genius. Bill O'Brien for the first, you know, half of that game. I mean, not the first half. They were blown out by halftime, but yeah. for the first quarter, he looked pretty smart. By the end of Sunday, he looked real dumb. I mean, Hopkins with a career high, 14 catches, 151 yards, didn't really get anything else out of that Cardinals receiving core from Fitz or Kirk. But now I'm thinking, Paul, what we saw from Kyler Murray, he's kind of feeling like this year's now. It's a little bit of an overreaction. Mm -hmm. But this year's Lamar Jackson. I mean, he took the league by storm. And I do think, unlike Trubisky, he is a legit MVP candidate. Because I think that this award is largely, it's contextual. I mean, if he can get this Cardinals team to the playoffs, just a fun second-year player who can run, electrifying thrower, I could really see him, Tyler Murray, being in the MVP race this year. If he gets this team to the playoffs, he had 91 yards and a touchdown on the ground week one, 230 yards to the air and a touchdown. Yeah, all day long. He looked really good. He looked really good against the 49ers. And just in NFL football, it's just a huge upset. I mean, they're reigning NFC champions, really poor Cardinals record last year. So the surprise of the week, I, I can't think of anything more surprising than the Cardinals beating the 49ers. Yeah.
0: Got to talk Cowboys and Rams. And, uh, you know, we started to see what these teams are going to do because uh, with Cowboys' new system with McCarthy, the Rams, you know, we've been talking about McVay, probably a lot of people sleeping on him. And the one takeaway, you mentioned it here, Malcolm Brown, I had him sitting on my bench because, you know, I did see the report. He looks to be the starting back. But I always had, well, Cam Akers is going to cut into that. And no, Malcolm Brown was the guy getting the touches all in week one. Will that continue, though?
1: I mean, 21 touches, it seems legitimate. And he really did look like the best back out there. 18 carries for 79 and two touchdowns on the ground three catches for 31 for Malcolm Brown. I remember last week, I kind of poo-pooed Malcolm Brown thinking he's averaging five touches per game during his career with Todd Gurley in the same backfield. I was thinking, man, they're they're not going to feature this guy. They're not going to give him 20 touches a game, but they went ahead. They gave him 20 touches. I mean, Cam Akers, probably the most upside long-term. I picked up Malcolm Brown as my number one priority, though, on waivers. Anytime you see a Sean McVay back at 20 carries, Man, that alarm's got to go up. This yeah. is a huge year for Sean McVay and the Rams cap-wise. I don't see them playing any political games. They're like, we've got to get this younger running back in here. We've got to get Cam Akers in here. They've got to win this year. They, they are on the Super Bowl clock. They're a Super Bowl sleeper. This is a huge year for the Rams, and they're going to play the best guy every week. Malcolm Brown looked like the best back week one, and he was my number one waiver pickup
0: this week. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, and it killed me to see him on the bench. Uh, in my league, I'm like, oh, no, but I just, I didn't have the confidence that they were going to use him that way. So I guess, yeah, Malcolm Brown, start him from now on until we see more uptick in the Cam Akers usage, who knows. But uh, we're going to look ahead. Week two here, some bounce backs we're looking at. I'm going to start off with Joe Mixon. I am a Joe Mixon owner in some leagues. Rushed for 69 yards last week, but... He's had some great success against Cleveland, 175-plus scrimmage yards, plus a rush TD. He has uh, 592 scrimmage yards, which is 148 per game against them, and three rush TDs in his past four versus division. So uh, it looks like Mixon owners, yeah, it was pretty slow week one, but I think he's going to bounce back all right.
1: For sure. And I remember I had Mixon on my team last year, The first two weeks, I was real concerned, Paul. 27 yards on his first 17 rush attempts last year. The Cincinnati, they've rebuilt that line a little bit. Jonah Williams is coming back. So that's going to give you some relief. But Mixon really picked it up as the season went along. In the fantasy playoffs, he may have won you your league. The last four weeks of the season, he had over 130 yards in three of those last four games. So we'll just hold off on Mixon. Maybe a buy low like Eckler.
0: Up next, Nick Chubb, and this is a big discussion because with him and Hunt, because Hunt was the leading rusher last week, but Chubb against Cincinnati's rush, you know, he has a huge history of doing good against them. Four hundred two scrimmage yards. It's about a hundred and a half per game in two TDs in those four career games against them. So he also shows up in prime time. He has about hundred four yards per game average in his uh, past five prime time performances. And yeah, if anyone's sleeping, they play tomorrow night <laughs> on the NFL network. If anyone's going to catch that one or not, I'm not sure, but Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt, Who do you like after week one? I think that it's it's pretty even. I think yeah. they're
1: both RB twos as it comes out. I think that Chubb was a little bit overdrafted. I think Hunt that was a little bit underdrafted. The one caution I'll say about Chubb week one and why I like your take Going into week two, Paul, because the game script just totally worked against him. Obviously, they're down huge in halftime. They're down by yeah. 30 points at some points in the fourth quarter. That leans more towards Hunt's style, the pass catching back. So that is a reason why Chubb faded a little bit in week one.
0: Another one I got on here, Adrian Peterson. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know it's not quite a bounce back because that week one was pretty successful, but when he plays... At Green Bay, he dominates him In 19 career games against the Packers, almost 2,000 yards rushing, 16 TDs. That's uh, most versus any opponent he's had. And he's going to aim for his ninth in a row at Green Bay with a rushing touchdown. Coming into this, I would never have thought, yes, start Adrian Peterson. But I'm looking at this week, and just the history tells me he could have a big game Sunday.
1: I mean, his stock just completely reversed. From last week, Uh, playing at 35 years of age, you're wondering, is he ever going to deteriorate? I mean, look, last year with Washington, double-digit carries each of his final six games of the season. Over his past, his final 11 games of the season, he had double-digit carries in 10 of those final 11. When they get down near the goal line, you know they're going to him, so... I think AP does have some value, and I think I definitely undersold him last week.
0: Uh, some wide receivers that could bounce back. I see Cooper Cup. I know against uh, the secondary of Philadelphia, it's going to be maybe tough, but I think he's going to come back on. He only had four receptions, 40 yards last week. But uh, I think he's going to be a candidate that uh, you can have some confidence in this week.
1: Certainly, and probably the most upside among any of those Rams receivers especially down near the red zone. I mean, Cup loves him down near the red zone. Ten touchdowns last year for Cup in his only sixteen game season of his career. Eleven combined touchdowns his first two years. So when they get down in the red zone, which they seemingly will, McVay's offense, I mean, only put up twenty points against the Cowboys, but moved the ball pretty well throughout the night. I could see Cup getting down there and he's Goff's favorite target in the red zone, along with Higby. So that's going to be the key, just five, five targets week one for Cup. Not great, but you can expect more than five targets per game for the rest of the season.
0: And another one, a wide receiver, I'm going to round it up with this one, DJ Moore of the Panthers. Yeah, I've got him in one of my leagues, and it was kind of disappointing. I thought, well, with Rule in here, they're going to throw the ball a lot more, and it's going to be up-tempo and whatnot. And He only had 54 receiving yards in week one. But it seems like against Tampa, he puts up better numbers. Uh, He's got seven-plus receptions plus 70-plus receiving yards, three games in a row against Tampa with that. And against the NFC South, he's got 80-plus scrimmage yards here. So he's looking to continue that as they get into conference here. And uh, I guess, hopefully, this game, it turns out, a little bit better than week one for him.
1: Certainly. And he is a... High-floor guy. I mean, he really draws in the targets. Let's see here, Paul. Over the course of last season, nine targets per game for D.J. Moore. Man, he's a really good PPR receiver. Five, six catches every game, it seems. Uh, You know, he's not touchdown dependent. I mean, he was, what, a top-12 receiver last year in PPR, definitely top-15. He only had four touchdowns last year. I love that kind of player in fantasy. And I love DJ Moore's matchup here coming into week two.
0: And for you DAC owners, I just want to throw this out there too. Yeah, 266 yards. He had the TD, uh, but, you know, not the monster stat you're looking for, but this week he's coming home where last year he averaged about 327 yards per game, 20 touchdowns, and he had seven INTs at home. And, you know, he's going against this Atlanta team that uh, really knows how to give up yards.
1: They know how to give up (laughs) yard ball. I mean, the rush defense looked pretty good. They're they're starting to get some pass rush to Atlanta. I saw Tack McKinley finally come alive. The Dante Fowler pickup is pretty big, but this secondary is bad, bad. (laughs) I read this one next-gen stat here. Do not have it in front of me, but read this this week. There was not a single pass, not a single completion that Russell Wilson made Sunday where the defender was within one yard. Of the intended receiver, oh, wow. they got smoked. They got smoked by Russell. I mean, he may be the second best quarterback in the NFL, but Dak, a top ten quarterback in his own right, when he's playing at his best for sure, maybe a top five peak Dak when Dak is rolling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, you love it against the, you love it against the Falcons all day. <laughs> all year stream quarterbacks against the Falcons if we can.
0: And thanks once again to Corey Smith, NFL writer at rotowire.com as we recap week one, get you ready for week two. Best of luck this week. Hopefully your fortunes turn around if you didn't start off so hot. And if you did, well... Hopefully the streak continues for you. You can always follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Have those sit or start questions. We can help you out there all season long as well. This is PJ. Thanks again for checking out the Fantasy Football Zone. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.